Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. Thanks for worshiping with us. Hey, how was spring break? Who's struggling to get back in the swing of things? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. Hang in there. You're going to make it, I promise. Oh, uh-oh. Sorry, dude. But yeah, maybe I'm going to break everything. <laughs> hey, I've missed you guys. I was, I think it was Karina was saying, she was like, it feels like it's been months since I've been here. I was like, that's kind of how I feel. It's only been like two weeks, but it feels like it's been a long time. Um, what does the Bible say about touchy, touchy? <laughs> what does the Bible say about sex? All right. Um, it's so funny because I feel like no matter what age group you're working with, when you like have this discussion, people always get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Middle schoolers would straight up flip out. <laughs> um, you guys are handling it pretty good. Let me say a couple things. Um, First of all, I think we get awkwarded out in church. Um, let me say this way. I think we get awkwarded out when I, when I say, when I start off by saying, what does the Bible say about sex? Because I think the only reason we feel awkward is because we're in church. So it feels like, oh my gosh, we're in church. We'll be talking about this. When the reality is, unless you're under a rock, like you, these are th- sexual thoughts that we could say a lot of different ways, but are like placed in front of you or in your ears all the time. And so if there's any place that we should talk about it, it's, it's right here, okay? Um, of course, I don't do that all the time because you'd probably never come if I had talked about it every week. <laughs> but, I don't know. Maybe you would come. I don't know. You guys are sick. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so just it's okay. We're at church and we're talking about it, but it's okay. Other thing I would say, some of y'all, and this is a very real thing. I know I'm being silly, but some of y'all, like, because maybe most of us, <laughs> because of things you've done or seen or heard or whatever, as soon as I say, what does the Bible say about sex? You kind of put a guard up or you shut down because of guilt and shame that you feel. And I want you to know, as we progress through the night, there is a lot of hope. There is a lot of grace here tonight. So just hang in there with me, okay? The other thing I want to say is that, or I'm ask you, who created sex? God did. We used to tell the middle schoolers, he's a sexpert. That's a lame joke. They <laughs> 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 all said, ooh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, hey, in all seriousness, no, it, it, though, it's funny. You know, there's actually a book in the Bible that, like, the whole book talks about a man and woman in that relationship. When I say that relationship, I mean that relationship. <laughs> I, mean, I told him. My, uh, actually, when I was in Itasca, Pastor Larry's here. What's up? When I was in Itasca, I did a, a talk kind of on this same subject, and I said that. It was so funny. Some of the middle schooler boys were like, what book is that? <laughs> I was like, hey, later, later, right? <laughs> Song of Songs, in case you're wondering. Um, but I think, and this is like awkward and like weird to say, but it's important for us to remember, God created sex. So he's not up in heaven going, what are they doing down there? Those people are sick. Like, I didn't know that could do that. Like he, <laughs> what? he, he, he made us, so it's okay. All right, y'all are like some of you are like, oh my gosh, that boy is crazy. <laughs> but but really, I think it's important to remember that, okay? Because seriously, I, I think because of culture and because of the church, me included, the way I've like I'm ashamed of some of the things I've the way I've taught on this issue. Um, I think we had this idea that like. We just we hear the word sex, and we're like, oh, can't can't even think about it, right? And it was God's idea, okay? So it's important to remember God created sex. It's not a it's not a bad word, all right? Um, so tonight we're gonna look at 
keeping in mind like your stage of life, we're going to look at what does the Bible say about it. And we can't cover everything, but we can cover a few things. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. So the first thing I want you to see, three, three things. First thing is that sex is for marriage. Now, for most of you, between a man and a woman, let's clarify. Sex is for marriage between a man and a woman. And so a lot of you are like, duh, I already know that uh, if you've been raised in church. But I think it's still important to like lay your eyes on some verses and remember that, okay? And uh, to understand why we say that. So here's the first thing. Who was the first couple ever? Adam and Eve back in the day, all right? One way or another, you are related to them, all right? Back in the day, Adam and Eve. I think this is important to remember. We're going to look at some verses in a second. When God created the first couple, it was Adam and Eve, and they were put into, a, into, the, into the covenant of marriage. Sex is for the covenant of marriage. It's a gift the covenant of marriage. And again, I'm not going to hang out on this. This is not the sermon. This tonight is not the sermon for this, but it's worth repeating. It's for a man and a woman. Romans 1 and lots of other places in scripture make that very clear. And again, it's not like, not trying to be stupid. It's not, it wasn't Adam and Steve, right? It was Adam and Eve. Okay. So sex is for marriage between a man and a woman. Okay. We see that from the very beginning. That's how it is. Okay. Turn to, um, Hebrews chapter 13. Actually, I'm going to change my mind. Turn to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. It's kind of in the middle of the Bible. Um, and if you've not read Proverbs, you should read Proverbs. It's, it could possibly be the most practical book as far as like you read it and it just jumps off the page of you of how you could live that truth out that day. So Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to kind of be jumping over some different places tonight. Proverbs chapter 5. Well, that's a little bit of hell or something. <laughs> I thought the rapture was happening. I thought, well, I'm still here. Dang it. <laughs> All right. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15. All right. Li- listen carefully. This is, this, is, uh, this is straight up. Okay. Again, the Bible, is, um, the Bible is not G-rated. Okay. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. And so if you're confused on what he's talking about, he's about to get a little more clear. (laughs) Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked, excuse me, the iniquity, yeah, the iniquity, I got this. (laughs) The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. So here's again, again, y'all, there are so many verses that talk about this issue of sex being for the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. I've just picked a few just for the sake of time. But here again in Proverbs, this idea of sex is for, as a father telling his son, hey, it's only for you and your wife. Why would you sleep around? You're going to cause yourself, I love uh, verses uh, 22 through 23. I have it memorized differently. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. So when you, when you don't listen to God and take sex outside the covenant of marriage, to say it simply, bad things happen. 
And we're going to talk about that a little bit more because you're like, well, I don't really believe that. We're going to talk about that more in a second. But again, we've seen this passage of saying, hey, it's between you and your wife, not for you and a bunch of people or for girls, for you and your husband. It, it's right here, one person, right? Not spreading it all around. Sex is for marriage between a man and a woman, just that one person. One other verse we're going to look at on this idea of sex being for marriage. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. So we're going to go New Testament. It's kind of hard to find sometimes, at least for me, but it's back there, I promise. So this is at the end of Hebrews, and he, he's been given a lot of theology about who Jesus is. There's no one bigger or better than Jesus. And then he, he ends the chapter with kind of some practical truths of how we should live in, in light of who Jesus is. <clears throat> So chapter 13, verse, we're going to start in verse uh, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Marriage bed, does that literally mean like, you got that shirt of mattress, you keep it clean? Is that No, marriage bed, what's he talking about? Sex, right? Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Again, marriage, excuse me, sex is for marriage. It's, it's not to be enjoyed in other instances. I, I always tell people, and maybe it's not the best illustration, but think about fire in a fireplace. Is a fire in a fireplace a good thing? Sure. You can enjoy it, right? It can be a great thing. If you're at your house and you're like, Man, fire in the fireplace is good. Let's take the fire outside the fireplace. That'll be good too. What's going to happen? Yeah, you're going to burn your house down. It's not going to go good, right? Sex is like that in that when it's inside the, the confines, the boundaries of marriage, it's a really, really good thing. If you take it outside of those boundaries, it can destroy everything. Some of you say, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I've tried that. Give it time. You take anything that God's given us as a gift, and you say, I think I know better. I think I, you, that guy, that was a good idea, but I'm going to take it a little further and enjoy it a little more. But you always end up hurting yourself. Sex is for marriage. Again, you may be saying, I don't, I don't know if I believe this. Or like, okay, maybe God tells us to do that, but is he, you may feel like he's just like holding something back from you. He doesn't want you to have a good time. You've probably already seen it. I've already seen it for sure. How when, when people take it outside the take sex outside the boundaries, the confines of marriage, man, they miss out on a lot of good things. Again, God's not just up there trying to keep you from having fun. Every command God gives us is for, for our joy and for his glory. A couple examples of that. A few months ago, I was doing um, making hospital visits, and one room I went into, it was like the one of the ICUs. I can't remember which one. There's like several different versions, I guess, and a couple in their 80s, um, and the woman was just barely sitting up in the bed, and uh, obviously in pain, trying, when I walked in, she tried to communicate to me, but whatever was going on, she, she couldn't really say anything, and you could tell it was frustrated. She actually, um, as she began to try to talk to me, uh, she began to cry, because I think between the pain and between the fact that she couldn't communicate, the coolest thing I'll never forget, her husband 
was sitting in a chair, and he could not have been any closer. I'm sure if they would have let her, let him, I'm sure he would have been sitting on the bed with her. But he was as close to her bed as he could. He was holding her hand, and as she began to cry, he began to cry. And I, I realized that moment, you don't get to that point of commitment and love and affection and devotion if you just sleep around with everybody when you feel like it. I don't, honestly, I don't know their history. I don't, who knows what all they've experienced. But if you, if you treat sex as just a joke, that's going to, one, like it's going to be difficult to, to get married and come into a serious relationship. And also, as a married couple, it'll, like I don't have to, that's duh, that's common sense, right? If you take sex outside the, the confines, the good boundaries of marriage, it, it's going to wreck that marriage relationship. And so that when you're 80 years old, you're laying in the bed crying by yourself. You probably know couples like this. Lauren and I have several couple of friends like this. But um, a few years back, just a few days before uh, the girl was getting married, Lauren and this girl were, were going somewhere together. And the girl looked at Lauren and, like, out of nowhere, just started to cry. I mean, some, you ever been in that moment where everything's good and all of a sudden someone's crying? You're like, what is going on? <laughs> um, so she begins crying. Lauren's like, hey, what's going on? And she said, my, my fiance, who I'm fixing to get married to, he's he's... He's not a virgin. So I said, hey, it's going to be okay. And she began to say, well, what if he compares me to, to the other girls he slept with? Is, he gonna, is, is that going to, like, he's going to carry baggage into our honeymoon? Like, what is he going to be thinking? Man, if he, this guy she was fixing to get married, if he had done what God said and kept sex inside the boundaries of marriage, she wouldn't have been having to go through that pain and that worry. Does that make sense? Um this so I can see you guys up there a little better. Another quick example. Y'all know that sex is not just a physical thing, right? It's an emotional thing. It's a mental thing. It's a, it affects your soul. So if you sleep around, fool around, whatever, so take sex outside the boundaries of marriage, you're giving a little part of yourself to other people, and all you're doing is complicating your life. I don't know if you realize that this yet. I'm pretty sure you do. Life is already complicated enough. I want it to be simple, right? So when you sleep around, fool around, you're just you're giving little parts of yourself away. Why would you want to complicate your life like that? Y'all, you're aware of what happened with Tiger Woods a few years back, right? When it came out about his uh, sexual addiction and having all these affairs and things. Has he, some of y'all don't realize this, like or don't know the story, but some of y'all that do, has he been the same ever since? No. It completely wrecked his life. Lost his family, lost his finances. I don't know if you know, like, he is not the same golfer he was. Like, he used to be incredible. He is not the same. My, one of my professors always says, the fastest way to destroy everything and everyone you love is to have an affair. The fastest, I would say, so that's for, for single people, the fastest way to wreck your life and complicate your life is to take, is to start, like, having sex outside of marriage. Sex is for marriage, and God's not just being mean. He's not just being an old fuddy-duddy. He's not just being lame when he says, hey, wait for marriage. No, he knows what's best for you. My grandpa helped design uh, the stealth bombers. He knows a lot better how they work than I do, right? It would be foolish for me to be like, hey, grandpa, let me tell you how that things work. He'd be like, shut up, right? We do the same thing. We're like, hey, God, I know you said sex is just for marriage, but I, I got this under control. I'm sure he's like, hey, you better wreck yourself, right? Sex is for marriage. 
Like I said this earlier, some of y'all are like, man, I've grown up in church. I know that. Tell me something I don't know. What you're really wondering is, okay, I get sex is for marriage, but right now while I'm dating or one day going to be dating, how far can I go is what you're wondering, right? And if you're like, I've never thought that, you are a liar, okay? Because <laughs> everybody has thought that. So, so we're going to look at this second thing. Here's I'm going to tell you the, the answer. We should be striving for, we should be pursuing purity. We're going to check out a few verses. I'm going to um, pick up the pace just a little bit. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And if you can't make it, that's all right. You can hit the next one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 18. Flee. What does flee mean? Run away, right? Flee from sexual immorality. With sexual immorality is anything outside of sex and the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So when you are fooling around having sex outside of marriage, or in, I'm going to explain this further in a second, but um, you're not striving for purity. You're just kind of walking that line a little bit. Even though it may feel good, you're actually hurting yourself. Does that make sense? So you say, oh, this is great. I love this. I, I get that. But you're actually, in the long run, you're hurting yourself. That's what he says. Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. So if you're a Christian, you cannot say, hey, it's my body. I can do what I want with it. No. If you're a Christian, who do you belong to? Yeah, you belong to God. He determines what you do with your body. Verse 20. For you were bought with the price, so glorify God in your body. So again, we're to pursue purity, pursue holiness, to glorify God, not to see how, how tightly can I walk the line without crossing over? We're supposed to pursue purity. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 22. So if you're in 1 Corinthians, you're going to go to the right just a little bit. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. A very similar idea here. He says, So flee youthful passion. What does flee, me, flee mean again? Run away. Not like, let me think about this. How can I handle this? No, run, right? Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Again, flee from these, these temptations, these passions, and pursue righteousness. Pursue holiness. That's what we're supposed to do. I love Romans, I think it's 13, 14. It says, Make no provision for the flesh. Again, that's Romans 13, 14. Make no provision for the flesh that you might gratify its desires. In other words, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to let your, your flesh, yourself, give into temptation. Let's stop for a second. It is totally normal to want to get physical, physical. Right? Like, that's, that's normal. That's and, and, and healthy, I guess you could say. But don't put yourself in situations where you're going to give in to those temptations. Make no provision for that. Philippians 4 is a little, this may seem random, but it'll tie in a second. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, think about whatever is true. I have this like song that I've been writing, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is, starts with a P, rhymes with your, pure. That was weird, sorry. Think about whatever is pure. Here's what I want you to see from these verses. Pursuing purity is not just about actions. 
and what you do with your body, it's about what? Your heart and your mind. That's what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Purity, righteousness, holiness is not just about outward action that people can see. It starts where? Right here, right? So it's possible to say, I haven't even kissed my girlfriend, but to be totally have an impure heart and mind. Does that make sense? Again, the culture would say, that's retarded, that's stupid. But according to the Bible, that's reality. One other thought on that, and I'll give you some kind of illustrations. If you're not a Christian, this may not make sense, but it's okay. In the New Testament, we see that there's this picture of Jesus as the groom and the, and the church is the bride, right? And that one day, because of God's work in us, we'll stand before him as a, as a, as a spotless, pure bride, right, to be given to him. But also in the New Testament, there's this idea that we should be like longing for that day and stri- striving to be pure and be right. So, that, so we're standing before him like blameless and, and man, we've, we're ready to give ourselves to you. We're ready to be pure. We are pure, ready to, to be with you. And on that day, we're not going to, like, no one as a Christian, if you're walking with God, you don't think, there's not this idea of, well, God, I mean, technically I wasn't sinning. I mean, I was doing a lot of things, but, you know, technically I, I'm pure. Technically I'm a virgin. Like, imagine if, that's just ridiculous, right? The idea that, well, God, technically I didn't do all these things. I think we have this really messed up idea in our culture that's like, especially church culture, was like, well, Technically, I'm still a virgin. We, we, it's like we think that, well, technically, I'm still a virgin, but I do all these other things, so I'm okay. Y'all, God is not dumb. It's not like once you, again, you know, sorry for weirding you out. It's not like once you have intercourse and you're technically not a virgin, that all of a sudden God's like, I didn't know you'd been doing any of that. He sees all you're doing, right? So it's not like this, everything's good, everything's perfect, and then as soon as you cross this one little line of, of intercourse, now, how all of a sudden you're so impure, all this stuff is bad, too. Are y'all tracking with me? And I'm being a little bit vague, but I don't think you're stupid. Here's what I want you to see. Let's say this is the line, the edge of the stage. The line, this is, about, this is, this is huge. I don't think I really fully understood this, maybe even till today, which is scary. The line is not intercourse. The line that we should be watching out for is Purity. To the world, that seems crazy. And to the, even the church, I think that's probably like, wait, what? So the line I'm watching out for is not, well, as long as I don't have intercourse, the line is, man, God expects me to be purity. He calls me, sorry, God expects me to be pure. He calls me to holiness. What are we supposed to do from sexual immorality? Flee, right? I need a, I need a, a good, strong volunteer real quick, good manly man. Daniel, come on up, young lad. All right, good up for Daniel. Yeah. All right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand on the edge of this stage, okay? Again, this line, it's, n- it's not intercourse. This is purity, okay? So it's, be clear, this is a big difference. So Daniel's saying, all right, I'm a godly guy. Um, I'm, I want to be pure, but uh, both feet. So here, you're missing out on some kissing right there, bro, okay? Yeah. <laughs> both, feet, both feet on the line, all right? So his thing is, I get, man, I'm striving for purity, but I don't want to miss anything. Right? So if he's walking the line of, I just don't want to cross that, how difficult for me is it to push him over? <laughs> Feel free to try to, like, not fall either. <laughs> okay, pretty easy. All right. Now, Daniel, come on. Come, you're not done. Get back up here. All right. Now, 
now you've grown in your walk with Christ. You came to the last night of spring fling, and you realize, wait a second, it's not just about how much can I get up in here. <laughs> it's about I'm fleeing temptation, temptation, and I want to pursue purity. So this is temptation. That's purity. I want you to flee temptation. All right. Now, don't hurt me, but I'm going to try to get you to mess up, okay? Let's go, son. Okay. <laughs> don't break my leg. I'm kidding. All right. Hey, give him a hand real quick. Okay, that was, that was a silly illustration, but let's be real here. If you've ever been in a relationship or are in a relationship or have thought about your relationship, all of us have had that idea of, I don't know what that line is. I'm going to be right up on it, right? Because we don't miss anything. I think what Scripture is telling us, that's the wrong attitude. And if you're always doing this, don't be surprised when you're always going over the line, right? And let me be clear. I'm not going to stand up here tonight and tell you. So the line is, you can only hold hands and you can only give them a kiss on the cheek. Like, I, I'm not going to do that. Here's what I would say. If, that, if the, the goal is to flee temptation and run towards purity, run towards righteousness, I think you have to ask yourself some questions. So whatever it is you're wanting to do, I, for the sake of being lame, let's say it's holding hands. <laughs> so you're in a relationship. Are we going to hold hands? I think you need to ask yourselves, are we pursuing purity right now? Like, are we, are we pursuing purity or are we pursuing something else? Like, I know where this is going to lead, right? We buy that waffle or in a lock. It's getting serious, right? Um, are you having pure thoughts? And are you striving for holiness? If, if you can't answer those and say yes, then probably what you're doing you shouldn't be doing. Because sex is for marriage. And again, I think we have to get rid of this idea of like... Um, that there's like all these separate things, it all leads to the same place, okay? You start kissing, it's all going to lead to the same place, right? So, again, the issue is not, what's the checklist? It's not a bunch of rules. It's really a heart issue, right? Of, I want to love God supremely and obey Him and realize that He's going to take care of the rest. And I want to, Scripture says, to man, to, to, I need to guard my heart and guard this other person's heart and strive for purity. So that it's not a checklist of then what I can and can't do. The question should be, God, how can I pursue you? And so if that means, and again, like, Lauren and I did not live this perfectly by any means. Um, but if that means that, you know what, you decide, like, as a guy speaking to a girl, you're like, hey, hey girl. <laughs> Look, I know if we start kissing, I know where my mind's going to go. Oh, sorry, I think I amped Hello, amp. Um, I know where my thoughts are going to go. I know what my desires are going to be. So we just shouldn't kiss. If that's what you have to do, and you're as a man, you're willing to tell your girlfriend that, dude, props to you. Like, I got respect, bro. Seriously. I'm not saying if you kissed your girlfriend, you're a sinner. I'm just, I'm just giving an example, okay? Are y'all with me? Y'all tracking with me? Not on the line, running away. Hey, do you mind if I turn this off real quick, Mo? Sorry, there's a lot of buttons. Which one should I hit? All of them. That's a terrible idea. Hey, get up for Mo real quick. He's a man. <laughs> hey, so uh, let me give you, I do want to give you a couple pieces of it, like, advice on that real quick. So I gave you the questions to ask yourself, okay, so if I'm striving for purity, it's not just a checklist of what we can and can't do, but, like, am I having, striving for purity, having pure thoughts? Here's a little bit of help. 
if you're in a relationship or when you are in a relationship, spend private time in public places. You're a lot less likely to grope each other in public. Right? Right? (laughs) Too far? Sorry. (laughs) It's getting hot in here. So, but I'm serious though. If you, we need alone time. That's fine. You can go to Yellow House or J&B or I don't care, wherever. Help me, uh, Sugar Browns, Starbucks. You can go wherever and have alone time, but be in public, okay? Have, have something that's going to keep you accountable that's going to ask. I had my friend in, uh, Robbie in college who I had said, I specifically said, hey man, I don't want to be alone at this girl, Michelle, her apartment. Like just, we were like just kind of talking. So I want to be there alone with her. So don't let me do that. Ask me about it. Sure enough, like two weeks later, we ended up being alone in her apartment. Nothing happened, but we kind of hung out. And Robbie, the next day, was like, hey, where were we at last night? That was Michelle's. Who was there? Just us two. And he called me out on it, and I immediately was like, man, forget you, bro. You don't know me. <laughs> and later, I was like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> right? Like, I literally said, hey, hold me accountable. And honestly, I'm so glad that he was holding me accountable because you know what? I didn't, go, I didn't do that again. <laughs> and I have, now I have no regrets about that. Have people that hold you accountable. And the last thing I would say is Communicate. And honestly, it's probably going to weird the other person out a little bit. That's okay. If they can't handle it, then maybe it's just not a good thing. But communicate. So, at, like, especially guys, if you're, I feel like I, I would, like, communicate to Lauren, and then I would still, like, <laughs> walk up to the line. But communicate, hey, like, we, we shouldn't do this, or we shouldn't be alone at this place because I, I don't trust myself. And if she's a godly girl, she's going to go, hey, that's cool. I respect that. She may not say those exact words, but <laughs> communicate, Okay. Last little thing on all of that, I have no doubt, because I would be saying the same thing if I was in your shoes, you, you may be thinking, well, man, I feel like I'm missing out, like if pursuing righteousness, purity, holiness, I feel like I'm going to be missing out. Again, I want to remind you, when you do things God's way, hell starts to fall. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> when you do things God's way, man, there really is blessing because of that. <laughs> That's really loud. <laughs> God, please protect our cars. <laughs> I know that's distracting. Let me, this, I think it's really important. Let me tell you this. So I'm going to talk, I have two illustrations. Guys, think about when you, when you turned 16. I don't know if you got a new car or not. I drove a mini, Lauren and I both drove minivans at first. Holla. Um, but think about, like, hypothetically, go back to that time. What if your parents came to you and said, uh, give me a volunteer. You're not going to, just give me a name. Ben. They said, Ben, we're going to give you a brand new vehicle when you turn 16. And you've got a couple options. You can, it's like, say it's two weeks before your birthday. You can um, not see it and experience that all for the first time on your 16th birthday. Or you can, beginning today, you can go look at it. You can touch it. You can even sit in it. You just can't drive it yet. So you say, well, man, I know technically I can't drive till I'm 16, but it sure would be sweet to go ahead and enjoy some of this stuff. So every day you go out for two weeks, and you're looking at it, and you're touching the car, and you're sitting in it, but technically you're not driving it. When your 16th birthday comes, is it going to be exciting still when you get to drive the car? It, it's going to be exciting still. Is it going to be as exciting as it could have been if you had waited to even see it till that day? Won't be near as exciting, right? Are you all with me? Girls, think for a second. Um, let's say uh, your boyfriend, you know he's fixing to propose. Oh, my gosh. And because you go, you know, he says he's going to get a ring and everything. And he says, hey, look, you know I'm proposing soon. And so if you want, you can, every day you can come by and I'll show you the ring. And you can hold it and look at it. You can't put it on, but you can kind of check it out. And so you say, that's what I'm going to do. I can't wait. So, so every day you come by and you look at it and 
you look at it and you hold it. You don't put it on technically, but you, you, you look at it and take pictures of it and stuff. When he actually proposes, are you still going to be excited? Sure. Would you have been more excited if you had completely waited until that day? Absolutely. Right? Are y'all with me? I mean, you do things God's way. <laughs> Life is more exciting. Life is more fun. Here's, so here's what we've seen. Sex is for marriage, and we should pursue purity, not walk the line. But here's, here's reality. A lot of us in the room, maybe most of us, are sitting here feeling like, man, I have not done a good job here. Like, I have messed up a lot in this area. Some of you are sitting here, and you're like, oh, man, I'm so glad I'm still a virgin. I've done a good job. Here's what I hope you're beginning to realize. None of us are perfectly pure. Again, the idea that purity is only about technically if you're still a virgin, that's stupid and lame, right? Here's the reality. Now, let me say this. It's, man, I should clarify this. It's really important. Man, I hope that it'd be so awesome if, if all of you stood before your spouse on your wedding day as a virgin. That would be awesome. But my, what I'm trying to get at, and I hope I'm saying this right, are clearly that if, you're, if your goal is just to technically be a virgin on your wedding day, that's not a very high goal, right? The goal should be purity, and the, rea- the reality is all of us, none of us have been perfectly pure. And purity is not just about what you do with your body. It's about your heart and your mind. So all of us have, at some point, struggled with lust. All of us have looked at something we shouldn't have. Most of us have probably, at some point, gone a little too far. Or maybe a lot of too far. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like maybe more than any other sin, that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, sexual sin just makes you feel dirty, right? You don't have to shake your head if you don't want to, but sexual sin, you just end up feeling kind of broken and dirty. Matt Chandler, he's a pastor in Dallas, he tells about a time that he was uh, at some kind of like, I think he was in college, he was like like a student, big student gathering, and the pastor was talking, kind of like we're talking about tonight, talking about purity, and at the beginning of his service, uh, he, he began to pass around a rose, just like this. People thought the Lord was bringing me a rose for tonight, like, good luck. I was like, nah, <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> um, so he began to pass it around, and as he, I'll try to do this with my mic in my hand. As he passed it around, again, hundreds of people, what happened? Not intentionally, but as it just got passed from hand to hand, stuff began to fall off, right? There's a lot of pedals on here. I'm not picking up the pace a little. And as he went, like, it kind of, you know, again, it, it, hundreds of people, especially college students, oh. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of like that, having a good time. We begin to kind of wilt it, lose, lose petals, lose, lose leaves, get a little mangled a little bit. Oh. <laughs> I, I, know, I know it looks kind of funny, but, but for real, that's, that's, what you end up feeling like after sexual sin, right? You feel like, man, I could have been really pretty and, like, awesome, and I'm kind of messed up. 
probably everyone in this room has felt this way. Matt Chandler said that by the time the rose got back to the stage, that the preacher took it and he said, he said, no one wants this rose. After it's been passed around, no one, no one wants this rose after it's been mangled and touched by everybody. Who would want this? To be honest, I think for so long, the church has preached that, and that's where they've stopped. They've said, who would want that rose? <laughs> I love, and if you've ever listened to Matt Chandler, you can only imagine it. He said it took everything as the pastor he ended. That was where he stopped. That no one wants this, so you should remain sexually pure because who wants this? Matt Chandler said that it took everything within him not to stand up and shout, Jesus wants the rose! <laughs> Jesus wants it! Y'all, that's the gospel. Everyone in here, even if technically you're still a virgin, everyone in here, because of sin, your life looks like this. Not very pretty, kind of... Kind of sad. But here's what's cool. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that he made him knew, who knew no sin, who was spotless, perfect. Who's that? Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So he made Jesus the stank, messed up, dirty rose such that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, it's called the great exchange. Jesus says, hey, if, if you'll give me your rose, I'll give you this rose. You can have a fresh start. Man, that's what the cross is about, that Jesus says, hey, all your shame, all your guilt, all the ugliness, all the dirtiness, yeah, that you've, you've straight up done, not just you made a mistake. You straight up did. You knew what you were doing. You know what? I'll pay the price for that so I can give you a new rose. Man, there, y'all... In Jesus, there is forgiveness, there is hope, there is healing. You don't have to walk around, man, there's no hope for me because I messed up. No, there's hope. Jesus wants to give you a new rose. But you know what? you gotta give, you got to give him your broken one. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. So whether you're technically a virgin or not, or whatever, wherever you're at on this, like, this spectrum, all of us are impure. And Jesus says, have you confessed your sins? Come to me. Man, there's forgiveness. There's cleansing. I want to give you a new rose. I love Isaiah 43. It says that he blots out our sins and he remembers them no more. So he's not like, on your wedding day, he's not like, Psh, telling your spouse, hey, you should see what they did. No, he goes, yeah, yeah, they confessed. I, I gave them a new rose. Yeah, man, they're clean. They're forgiven. Y'all, I'm not trying to belittle and say, oh, Man, sexual sin is not a big deal. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it's a really big deal, but Jesus is a bigger deal. <laughs> and he offers you forgiveness and hope and love. So here's how we're going to end tonight before we sing a little more. If you are a Christian, it's time to start living like Jesus has given you a new rose. It's so easy as Christians to, to go back to this. <laughs> And the call of scripture is, to, man, quit, quit walking the line. Quit knocking those pedals off. Pursue righteousness because I've, I've given you a new rose. So live like it. If you're not a Christian, what I'm inviting you to tonight is to say, Jesus, hey, I, I want to give you my nasty rose, which really kind of represents me. God, I want to give you my life. 
I realize that you paid the price for my sin, for my ugly rose, and you offer me forgiveness and hope and love if I'll surrender to you. you did, the way you made that possible was the cross. So God, I'd, I'd like to exchange my life for your life. And he says, hey, welcome home, child. Come on. My arms are wide open. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to have a little response time as we sing. And um, we'll have a few folks over here, and Lauren and I will be over here. I said this a few weeks ago. We, we're just up here to, to pray with you. This is not like, let's just be, be real clear. If someone walks up for prayer, that does not mean, oh, they must not be a virgin. Please do not go there, okay? It means they just want to pray with somebody. Who knows what God's doing in their life? We're going to be up here to, to pray with you. Maybe I encourage you to come down to the altar. And, and, and so if maybe as a Christian you can say, God, whether you're in a relationship or not, God, I want, to, I want to be pure. I want to live for you. I want to trust that living life your way and obeying you is the best way to do it. So, God, help me to do that. Maybe you want to do that at your seat. But, again, there's something special that happens when you move. Decisions happen in hearts, not at altars. But there's something ha- that happens in your mind and your heart when you, when you move. So, man, come pray with us. Come, come to the altar and pray. I don't know what you need to do. If you're not a believer, again, I... I beg you tonight to realize the forgiveness, the hope, the love of Jesus. If you'll just come to him and say, Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. I want to I surrender to you. And I, want, I would love to experience your forgiveness and love and hope. And if you're still confused on that, again, you can do that right where you're at. Or I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. And let's respond. If you're a Christian, live like you've got a new rose. And if you're not a Christian, tonight would be a great night to trade up. Let's pray, and then we'll respond as we sing. God, I'm so thankful for your word and for your love for us. God, thank you for these students and their willingness to listen on a topic that could be kind of awkward at church. And God, I pray that right now you'd help us to be bold. Lord, if we need to stay in our seat or, or come up here or pray with, some, pray with someone, God, I pray you'd help us to be bold and to be willing. And Lord, that you would um, help us to obey. God, thank you that we have the option to be made pure and righteous because of what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, so I pray that at the very least, as we sing these songs, God, we would just praise and, and, and be excited about the fact that your arms are, are wide open. Regardless of what we've done, how far we've run, how far we've messed up, your arms are open wide. God, that we would be excited about that, that even if we've sinned or we've all sinned, regardless of what we feel about that, God, that we can come to you and we don't have to walk in guilt and shame because of the cross. So help us to respond right now and be bold. So in your name we pray, amen.